0: So we're going to talk about uh, faith and works, faith and works today. And um, so we read, it's in the handout, just, oh. (laughs) You're going to have to get a piece of paper and take your own notes this time, which is way better than anything I could put out. So, it, So James writes in James 2.14, James 2.14, hey, I can do this. We're going to have several scriptures, so I'll just put them up there like that. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Dang. And... Our buddy Oswald Chambers says, faith must be tested because it can be turned into personal possession only through conflict. Yuck. What? Urgh. Faith must be tested because it can be turned into personal possession only through conflict. And really, the only dealings that we can have with God have to come by faith. That's kind of by definition. The only dealings we can have with them has to come by faith. It's what we're doing here today. Obviously we're exhibiting some sort of faith, or we wouldn't be here today. That'd be, that'd be kind of silly. Um, Hebrews 11:6. I like this. Can you all see that? Is that big enough? You know you'd write bigger? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, the, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he re- rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that, you know... Um, the only, that comes with the only dealings that we have with uh, God must come by faith. So I look back on my faith story and some of the things that, that I had to deal with and we're dealing with and continually deal with. And I, I remember when um, it was really unlikely that Water 4 even started in 2008, but in 2008, Ten, we started having a few dealings with World Vision, which was super unlikely because um, they—they have—they're an organization that has forty-two thousand employees and has a two-point-four billion billion billion-dollar budget, and they started—they started calling us, and we're like. Oh, yeah, we're a water four. We have four people that work here. <laughs> so they came to see us in 2011, 2012, right, right in that neck of the woods. And they wanted to do a project with us. And we're running around, I mean, off camera, we're running around. Oh, we got World Vision, they're the biggest aid organization in the world, Christian aid organization. And so they come, oh, oh, yeah, you're our third big appointment today, you know. So they come, we talk, and they wanna do a project with us. So we're like, okay, I mean, what do you say to that? No, so, yeah, yeah, we wanna do a project. Okay, what do you wanna do? They said, well, let's do, a, let's do a demonstration project to demonstrate your water force technology on low-cost drilling, because we could, we could manually drill wells and put Africans to work, and we could do it for about 1500 about around $1500 per well and the africans get to make money doing it it takes longer it takes you know instead of just drilling a well in a day it takes you know a week 10 days but then you have a well that's going to last for 40 years and then they get to they get jobs out of the deal so they were, world vision was super excited about that and and so okay let's do a demonstration project okay and so I kind of had a number in mind. I'm thinking of a number of how many wells we do. And they come out and said, well, we think we ought to start a little bit modest and we'll do a 7,000-well project. <laughs> well, my number didn't have that many zeros in it. <laughs> so without batting an eyelash, we said, yeah, yeah, OK. Yeah, it sounds like a reasonable number. And we're just like, Inside, we're running around pulling our hair out. Inside and on the outside, we're very cool. This happens to us all the all day long, and so we break for lunch. And we and you know I'm with the the water four guys, and we're just giddy, you know, when we're out of the World Vision site, um, and you know we're in their budget. We're in World Vision's budget. We're going to be on. Ah! You know, so it was really fun. So then we come back, and we start working on the budget of how this is going to break down. And I'm like, wait, there's something wrong with this budget. We're on the wrong side of the ledger. And then they finally came out and said, okay, you guys are going to have to raise the money for this. I'm like, Whoa, okay, how much money do you think? And they're like, well, $20 million, Probably catch it. So what, we, without batting an eyelash, we said, okay, that sounds reasonable. And now inside, we're going, how are we going to do this? But, and so we worked up a memorandum of understanding, went back and forth. We signed it that we'd raise the first dollar they'd match, uh, the dollars, and we, and we were off and running. And I started doing some research and the largest well project on earth at that time was a 500 well project. And we were 7,000 wells. We're at the largest well project on planet Earth. And there were were four of us. I was a volunteer. Three others. And me. Yeah, we can handle it. But how we figured is we knew getting water and the chance of preaching the gospel to people was the right thing to do. And so this was a relatively easy step to say yes to because this came out of the blue but we had to demonstrate faith in order to do that this this was a quite large step of faith because if you flame out on the world stage with the largest nonprofit on earth that's probably not a resume builder that's probably something that's on the bad side of resume building so we did it, we started drilling wells and we're still, to this day, continuing to work with World Vision. We changed gears a little bit and now we're, instead of drilling wells, that wasn't good enough, we're putting in water utilities. So now we're building utilities for whole communities and we'll have our first um, whole whole district in Ghana uh, plumbed up uh, 100% uh, this at the end of this year so an entire first time in, in the history of Africa that a remote district has has water to every villager and it's never been done so, well god no god this we're just we're just trying not to screw it up at this point so um if you if you read in Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16 Hebrews 11:13 through 16. Um, it says here all these people, all these people were still living by faith when they died, all these people. So you go back on the first part of Hebrews and you figure out who all these people are. And it says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And it says, by faith, Enoch was taken from life, so he did not experience death. And it says, by faith, Noah, when warned uh, about things uh, not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed. So that's all, all these people. That's when he says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive things... Promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. So that's all a fun Verse and happy until you read God, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. So there's a chance that God could be ashamed of us if we kind of don't do that kind of stuff. No way. God loves me. How could be ashamed? Well, I love my kids. Oh, this is recorded, isn't it? Well, they'll never find it. So I love my kids, but they did stuff that I was ashamed of all the time. Aren't you Christy Greenlee's dad? Mm. No. Because <laughs> they, played, they played tennis, they played all through little, when they were little, and then they played college tennis. And sometimes they exhibited characteristics similar to their father on when they lost, which my motto was, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. <laughs> when when i was in high school when i was in high school we moved houses from one house to another and there was the closet where i kept my tennis rackets and all the coats were hung and stuff like that and they took the coats out and my mom said "dick come here for a minute what do you think happened here?" and she was really innocently wondering what happened there. The whole back of the closet, all the sheetrock was gone because I'd open the door and go, ah! and throw my racket in. Anyway, I don't know, Mom. That's really weird. <laughs> Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Um, so, So how do you, how do you, how do we do that? I mean, he loves us. I love my kids. I didn't stop loving them. Didn't want to be around them, but I loved them dearly and I would do anything for them. Um, So, so how do we do this? It says, well, to show people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. They're showing and showing is, is by doing. Uh, doing stuff. Uh, we read in Romans 10:17. We read in, in uh, Romans 10:17 that uh, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ, exactly what we're doing here today at church. We're coming, to hear the message of Christ, so it's, it's what we're doing here. So we're we're doing exactly what Paul wrote in Romans, and I think God would be pleased of what that we all showed up today, and that we're here. I, I really think it's a good thing. Um, so it's you know hearing versus doing. Um, so in the tradition that I grew up in, after I got saved. Um, you fill out an envelope. Anybody with me on that? You come to Sunday school and you fill... It was so weird to me. I mean, I came from no church background. Now I'm filling out an envelope that, did I read my Bible and did I give some money and then the church attendance thing like that. You fill out the envelope, you check the box, you look at the church attendance board. Oh, we're up from last year, I see. And so... um, so that's it. That must be it. it you know, that that uh, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ, so we come here, and that's it. We did it. That's all we got to do, right? Um, and then James 1.22. James 1.22 says that, uh, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. What? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. I wish they'd make up their mind. Faith comes from hearing, but now do not merely listen to the message. Do what it says. So we have to guard against uh, getting into that mindset that coming here to church is the service to God. Hey, God, I showed up today, did you solid. I'm here. That that, that that is the works. We have to guard against that, that coming here to church is the works, that we, that we, did, that we did service to God by coming here. So I was fortunate enough uh, when I was in college, when I was a heathen, that I got to, when I was up in college, up in Colorado, um, I got to play on a college tennis team. And I got to race on a ski team when I was up there, mostly because my roommate was the captain of the ski team. And he said, I'll let you race. But anyway, so I got to race on a ski team. So we got to go. um, There was a ski resort that gave us a hill. And I'm like, well, that's the coolest thing ever. Lake Eldora, it's up by Boulder and they gave us a a hill to practice on. I'm like, that's the coolest thing ever. So when are we going to do that? Because, you know, we have to go to school and stuff like that. Well, it's from from 6 o'clock p.m. to 9 o'clock. There's some lights on it. So we show up, you know, it's cold back then. Um, And we, so we show up and we get there, you know, we're hiking with our skis because it's kind of off the beaten track. And I'm like, hey, Kevin, where's the Where's the lift? Oh, no. There's no lift. I'm like, what? And he goes, no, it's our hill. We just have to, it wasn't, it wasn't groomed or anything. So we strap our skis on and we sidestep up the hill to prepare the course. There's no gates or anything, because you have to run the slalom gates, you know? So there's, there wasn't any gates or anything. So we had to do this from scratch. So we're sidestepping up the hill and slipping back down, sidestepping up the hill, slipping back down over and over and over, and then we set the course. And this is after like an hour and a half of doing this. Now we're ready to run the course. Well, um, the reason that you'd run the course is to try to get fast. Well, you know, all this had great consequences because we were getting strong. You know, walking up the hill, sidestepping up the hill, preparing the course. And we have this idea that works in, in church has a like a negative connotation when the the works I mean we're preparing the course we're getting fit so that you know so that we can be great at running the race at running the course and that's like what we're doing here today're we're, we're getting fit we're sidestepping or we're getting our quads built and and getting our cardiovascular going so that we can, when we leave here, run the course, run the race. And so many of us, we get into this mindset, me too, that coming here to church is the solid that I'm doing God, the, the spiritual act of, of, uh, of service. I came here to church when it's really preparing ourselves to go out tomorrow and the next day, to prepare for the stuff that's going to be bombarding us. Um, that, so, what, what are the elements in my day-to-day life that require faith? That's a great question to ask of yourself. What, what am I doing tomorrow that requires faith? And... Am I living my life in such a way that exhibits faith? Am I living my life in such a way that shows that I trust God, or am I just going through the motions, doing the stuff that's easy? And you know, what part of my life is showing that I trust God? And I, I, I keep this question on the forefront. (laughs) of my day-to-day life because I can slip back into auto mode so easy. It would have been so easy to tell World Vision that this is too hard. Do you know how much work that was? Good golly, that was a lot of work to try to get 7,000 wells and set up all the offices and set up the supply chains and all that. It's way easier to watch Gilligan's Island, (laughs) way easier. And that's what I was going to do last night. And then Cliff calls, I was all set to watch some good TV, which I love teaching, by the way, so if you can't tell. But am I living my life in such a way that shows that I trust God in my forgiveness? Am I living my life in such a way that shows that I trust God with my money? Am I living my life in such a way that shows that I trust God in how I work, my work ethic? You know, I I, I fought that. Hey, I'm not getting paid enough, so I'm going to dial back how much I give them. I don't think God would be pretty happy with that, would he? Um, am Am I living my life in such a way that shows that I trust God in my service to others and then this this great passage in Second Peter one, well, I'm not going to write that up there. In Second Peter one, that, that sh- shows, am I showing my am I living my life in such a way that shows that I trust God, according to godliness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly kindness, and love. It, am I showing that I trust God, but by how I treat others and how I do my interactions with other folks because that's probably the hardest thing for me is the interaction with, with other folks. Um, but am I showing that I trust God in that. Um, so that sounds like according to that, what you just said, Mr. Greenlee that I just need to sign up and volunteer for a bunch of stuff here at church. Uh, to show everything that I'm doing, show God everything I'm doing for him. Look at God, I'm, I'm here at church, and I'm taking the offering, and I'm teaching, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. I'm, look, I'm showing you. Well, as always, there's another shoe that drops, and that's called legalism. Legalism mm-hmm. is putting the emphasis on what we do for God rather than what God has done for us. And so if we just start exhaustively going down lists, and I did this for you, God, and I did this, it's like the, when Cliff taught on the prodigal son, it's like the second brother... Who's like I did this and I never disobeyed you here and I was always at work on time and da 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 da, da and Did you ever kill the fatty calf for me? And so that's that's the the legalism that we can fall into when we just start doing stuff. So this is hard, you know, figuring out this um, faith and works thing and figuring out what the balance is of that faith and works thing. So. Where do you start? How, how do you even start on this? Um, you know, it's hearing the message. It's doing what we're doing here today. But then it's doing stuff, but not, get, get, not getting caught into the trap that the doing stuff is going to get you brownie points with God. God can't love us any more than he loves us right now, whether we do stuff or don't do stuff. But when we get into the, trapped into that mindset that if I do this more stuff, then, then God will like me more. Yeah, it's right. God's not a respecter, a respecter of persons. Um, So where do you start on this? Well, remember uh, a couple weeks ago when I filled in for Cliff, we we learned about. I told you about. You already knew this stuff. Just have to be reminded that we have to believe that we were created on purpose and for purpose. That we were created on purpose. And for purpose. Uh, and we talked about Ephesians uh, 2.10. 2.10. That were God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, he knew about our time here uh, on earth. Um, and that, and we have to start believing that. That has to go with that faith and works element of it. Oswald Chambers writes about turning intellectual faith into into personal possession is always a fight, not just sometimes. God brings us into a particular circumstance to educate our faith. Because the nature of our our faith is to make the object of our faith real to us. Until we know Jesus, God is merely a concept, and we cannot have faith in him. So this all comes back to what is our relationship with Jesus? I mean... That would be weird if someone came up to you and, and said, oh, Mr. Greenlee, um, let me shine your shoes and let me polish your car and let me da-da-da-da, and all they wanted to do is do stuff for me, and I don't even know who this person is. Who is this person? Well, they're doing, they're getting a lot of stuff done. Hey, can you do you do windows? Uh, so um, it that, that turning the intellectual faith into personal possession is starts with our our relationship with Jesus. It starts with um, getting to know Jesus exactly what we're doing here today and what you guys do throughout the week. It's exactly what we're doing. I'm, God is so pleased of what we're doing here today. Um, and it's to know Jesus and that, that knowledge of Jesus is experiential knowledge. It's, it's experiencing God that, that you know what he's like. So I possess the intellectual faith, is what Oswald said, uh, enough to come here to church, even to Sunday school. Uh, but I, have I turned that intellectual faith into personal possession by how I give my time and my talent and my treasures? Have I turned that, I know I should, into how I, how I spend my time, how I spend my talent. That goes fast. <laughs> it's gone. Um, how, um, how I spend my treasure, um, how I work, how I forgive. Um, so turning that intellectual, I know I should do this, into action is what James is talking about. The faith without works is is folly. Um, how I forgive. Cliff talked about how about forgiveness and how I forgive. Do do we radically forgive or do we kind of hang on to some bits and pieces of it? Because that's hard, hard, hard. Um, but I, I think if we if we could acknowledge God, I love you, and I don't want to forgive that person, but I know you want me to. Because as I forgive, you forgive me. And that's radical. It's not fun. It's hard. And, and you have to, sometimes I have to go back and revisit that over and over and over to finally get past that, that unforgiveness. And then I find myself just hacked off at the person again, and I go right back to it. And I think God's okay with that as long as we continue to go right back to it um so that so that turning this i believe in god intellectual faith into personal possession starts with this faith and belief in how much god loves us that's how that, that turning that intellectual i believe in god it starts with figuring out how much god loves us and how he planned ahead for our time here on earth He planned ahead for all of us to show up and occupy the space and do the things that we're doing. He planned way ahead. And to conceptualize that, to grab that, that's a hard concept that he'd prepared a a place for us. Um, Remember, we talked about um, a couple weeks ago in Psalm 139 um, that all the days ordained for me were already planned out. And that he knew us when we, were, when we were unformed in our mother's womb. But yet he planned ahead for our time here on earth. So if you really conceptualize that and believe that, that's a love relationship that God has with us. So we should want to do stuff, not just to check off a list. We should want to come to Sunday school. We should want to go out tomorrow and try to exhibit some of our faith some of our love towards other people, some of our compassion, and you know that that were god's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do um, okay, so this is a bunch so just to prove this point about how God uh, uh, planned for our time for our time together um, there's Isaiah. 43 7, where everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. Is that not cool? Everybody whom I called by my name, whom I created for my glory, that were created for God's glory. And and he he knew of our time together. Remember Irenaeus says that the, the first century guy, or second century, I always get that mixed up, whether it's 100 or 200. 90 should be, is, should not be first century, but anyway. So everyone who is called by my name, Irenaeus said the glory of God is man fully alive. When, when we're fully alive, that's to God's glory. When we're hitting on all cylinders. Um, John uh, 15, 16 Where he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. God chose us. That makes it a little easier for us to go do stuff where we're not just trying to get credit from God. Um, John 15, 8. Where he says, "This um, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's so cool. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, that you go and do stuff. Um, John 14, 12, where he says, anyone, this is again Jesus, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, and he'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He expects us to do even greater things than what he did on earth. That's his expectation, and he's rooting for us, and he wants us to do it. And then finally, Matthew 7:24 <laughs> 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 I, don't, I don't know how they do that, these teachers. Um, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man when he was talking about building his house on sand or on a rock. Um, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. So God has all this stuff that we can do that he prepared for us to do. It's totally up to us. He's not going to be hacked off at us if we're, if we're just kind of doing the minimum or we, don't, we decide not to do this. He, he loves us beyond measure. It's not an expectation that we do this to gain any more favor from God. It's just, it's for our own good when we go out and start doing these things. And, and, and we start uh, becoming energized because then we come into a very much closer relationship with Jesus and that's what this is all about, is figuring out that close relationship, that day-to-day relationship with Jesus and how crazy in love he is with us and how he wants us to go do stuff. That takes faith. Dang it. Why can't we just go do stuff? Uh, this, and this faith, this faith has to be practiced. It just doesn't come. It has to be exercised. At least, in, this is from my experience, in order to grow. You don't just show up one day and you have faith to move a mountain. I don't. It has to, it has to, be, it has to be practiced and grown. Um, and it starts with for me again, this is for me, it starts with these seemingly insignificant acts of faith that you don 't even know is that really an act of faith? I had a a while earlier this year, I had a um, teacher from Black Mountain, North Carolina call me, and her class her fifth grade class had been doing um, studying on the world water crisis and how, what a tough thing that, that that is. And they came across Water 4, and I don't work at Water 4, I just volunteer over there. And somehow they, call, they called Water 4, and of course Water 4 says, Dick Greenlee, here's his number, call him. And so, um, no, the Water 4 guys are so good. Anyway, so she calls me and said, hey, can I, my fifth grade class would really enjoy talking to you as the founder of that organization, do you mind doing a conference call with them? Well, what's my immediate instinct? No, I don't have time for that, I don't want to. Fifth graders, how can fifth graders help? Ah." It was just awful, it was embarrassing. And, uh, but, oh yes, ma'am, I'd love to do that. So, they, we set up the time they call, a half-hour call, and the kids are asking all kinds of questions, and we're having fun and kind of goofing off and all this stuff. And um, we wait until there's no more questions, and we end the call. And I don't think anything else about, about it. And afterwards, I was like, yeah, that's probably the right thing to do. You little wine bag. <laughs> so a couple weeks later, I get like, 8 to 10, I can't remember, thank you notes in the, in the mail from these fifth graders. And I even had one who said, uh, Thomas J. Gentry, a.k.a. Jack. It was awesome! <laughs> this fifth grader had an a.k.a. It, was, it made everything worth it. It was so cool. So... They, write, they wrote me all these notes saying how, how inspired they are and how they want to go into engineering or geology or something, and they want to help with the world's water crisis. And I'm like, well, this is really cool. And so I go over to Water 4, and we have these little decal stickers that you put on your window of your car. And I'm like, I'll just grab a handful of those, and I'll write them thank you notes back for encouraging me. Uh, and so I wrote them each a personal note, like that, and hey, way to go, you're doing great, keep up your grades, work hard, obey your parents, eat your peas, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, and I get, a about two weeks later, I get a note back from the teacher, and she said that was the most, what you did writing those boys, they're all boys, writing those boys those notes is the most significant thing. I've seen a, such a change in those boys. Thank you for doing that. Well. That was a nothing burger. And I whined about it. Did you send her a huh? Did you send her a yeah, no, I didn't, because I didn't have her thing. But I sent each of the boys, too, so they could share. So it seemed what's what's just an insignificant nothing. But with the, just, and I don't know if that was faith or not. I think it was, because I didn't have, I guess I didn't have to take the call. I didn't have to write that letter. And and so these tiny acts of faith that we are supposed to do day by day, tomorrow morning, these little tiny acts of faith, lead up to terrifying larger opportunities that, that just scare the heck out of you. These, these little acts of faith, and all of a sudden world vision comes through your door. And then you have to say yes to a 7,000 well, $20 million project. Um, or going to China, and putting in a solar pump uh, so that the underground church can, can come and set up illegal churches and you could go to jail and stuff. And so we go set up the, this first pump in China back in 05. Um, and the dirty little secret on this thing is I actually never installed a solar pump. I sell them at my pump company at Terry's and my pump company um, and I troubleshoot them. Oh, yeah, that's the Canute valve. You need to dial it in a little bit better, you know, like that. So I'm troubleshooting. I never installed a solar pump. So my first install was 8,000 miles away from home in a rice paddy in southern China. (laughs) Set it up, get it all ready, flip the switch, womp, womp, (laughs) nothing nothing's happening. And I'm just running around like a chicken with my head cut off because I don't know what's going on with this thing. We, we Everything's hooked up, right? So we go away. I'm, I'm really sick and dehydrated. That kind of Chinese food does not agree with me. <laughs> Camel hump. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you ever try to pick up, on a side note, you ever try... Uh, with chopsticks. You're trying try to pick up a goat eyeball? <laughs> that little dude's slippery, let me just tell you. Come back, go home, and go back to where we were staying spend a terrifying evening with Satan saying, you're such a stinking failure. You have no business doing this. You've led these people on. You're going to go out in a ball of flames. This, you just uh, blah, 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 just accusing me all night long and just, oh, no sleep, fighting it off. Awful. It's terrifying. Wake up the next morning, get a little bit of courage, go out there, troubleshoot the thing, wait till the sun comes up, flip the switch, water comes out. I have no idea why it didn't work the first. I have no idea. I didn't do anything different. Same exact thing happens in Sierra Leone, West Africa. And this is except this time we're four hours outside Freetown, off road. The last leg was in a hollowed-out log boat. I heard the little National Geographic, or that might have been Mutual of Omaha, wasn't it? Jim is going to jump out of the copter onto the rhinoceros' back. I'll stay here and guard the copter. Remember that? That was funny. So same thing in Sierra Leone. And I, we set it all up, flip the switch, nothing happens. I go back to my hut. Again, terror. I'm, I'm not, I'm terror. Satan is terrorizing me at this point. That you're a failure. You never should have done this. You got these people's hopes up. Blah, blah, blah. And so I automatically go to Scripture. What comes up? Job. Blah, Job. <laughs> but I found this passage in Job that gave me so, so much encouragement in Job 19.25. I know that my Redeemer lives and that, that in the end um, he will stand upon the earth after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Gave me so much encouragement. Went out there the next morning, checked everything, checked all the wiring, flipped the switch, water comes out. Same exact thing as in China three years later. Um, And then then North Korea, India, Uganda, Kenya, Ghana, Ethiopia, Senegal, Rwanda, flying in a single engine plane over the Congo because it's a shortcut to Zambia. Well, Congo is where King Kong lives. And I'm looking out the window of this little single-engine plane, and I'm like, there's nothing. We're going to get eaten by gorillas and stuff if we go down. I mean, there's nothing as far over the curve of the earth. It's just jungle. Well, this is a good idea, isn't it? Um, so that we can go do our stuff in, in Zambia. And I don't want to leave you or give you the impression that I'm su- some su- superhero of faith, because I'm not. Let me just tell you, these things came just because I started saying yes to the little tiny things that are in my life every single day. A single mom that's struggling, somebody that you know is having a hard day, and you just come over and give them a word of encouragement. Slipping your credit card in a gas pump of a struggling single mom. Being kind to the, to the checker at the grocery store who's flustered. Look. <laughs> little tiny things of faith that then lead up to do you want to go to Zambia and fly in a single engine plane over the Congo and it's just exercising those little tiny things of, of faith Jesus for the most part if you read about Jesus which you all have when I'm very proud of you if you read about Jesus he he was just letting life come to him he didn't have a strategic plan go into the binder in B13 and look at this right here. Well, that wasn't Jesus. He was just kind of coming and going and healing people and making people's lives better. That's all he was doing. Let's go to Capernaum. Oh, was that in the plan? No, but let's go there. Who touched my robe? Oh, this woman. Oh, well, here, let's do da. He was just doing life. And as these opportunities came to him, for three years, he just did life, and he made people's lives better, little by little, just a word of encouragement, just whatever it, it might be. Um, so now, when a guy calls out of the blue, like he did uh, a month or so ago, and says, hey, I'm wanting to uh, some solar pumps so I can get... Um, uh, water to th- uh, three refugee camps in DRC, Congo. I say, let me help. And that was so easy. I didn't even have that inside me going, no! It, it, was, it was, yeah, let me help. And so now we're trying to plan on how to ship a drilling rig in by an airstrip into DRC, Congo to get 15,000 people water, where he just wanted me to sell him a pump, I get to help on the whole thing now because I know, I know people in Congo. I, I can make those connections. And when some woman out of the blue emails me and says, hey, I'm in Dominica, which is a Caribbean island that was devastated by Hurricane Maria, and I'm trying to get three communities water, um, do, you, do you have treatment systems? I can say, hey, let me help. I, I, I think I can help you on that. And we have a guy down there right today, right now in Dominica, helping get these water systems back online. What good is it, my brothers, James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers, if if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such a faith save him? So tomorrow, intentionally, actively, look for opportunities to serve others. This is where it starts. Jesus would be so proud of us. Just some kindness. What he did, he was just tooling around. He didn't have a plan. He got got diverted all the time. Try not to be so locked up that if you get diverted a little bit, that you might think, huh, maybe this is that opportunity. So look for opportunities to serve others because that's where this thing starts. Um, look for opportunities to show, to, to demonstrate, to exercise your faith. It starts with the little bitty things, and then, then the big thing's going to come. You all have been with the big thing too, where you had to exhibit your faith. Ask the Lord Almighty, ask the Ancient of Days, who knew you were going to be here, ask him to put you in the game. And more than likely, it's going to be right what you're good at anyway. Right in your wheelhouse is what this is going to be. And we'll have the opportunity to put a smile on God's face. We'll have an opportunity to please God by demonstrating our faith. So let's pray and we'll go away. Father, we're just grateful that you do want us in the game, uh, that you have a spot for us, that you knew we were going to be here, in this appointed time, and you have things for us to do, help us, Lord, to recognize the, the, the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit. Help us to recognize when we're being directed and on what we're supposed to be doing. Help, give us that intuition that, that we can hear when, you, when that gentle voice calls. And just let it be our default, that we're just kind to people, that we come across. And that we exhibit you to them. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We're so grateful for this class. We're so grateful for crossings. And I pray as we go into worship, Lord, that um, we just pour our hearts out to you and that you'll accept our glory as our gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.